What up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What's good, Laker Nation? Not a whole lot, right, Chaz? <laughs> Got another good one, but a sad no, one for all you Laker fans today. How did the Laker season come to a shocking end? Who takes the, the largest slice of the blame pie? Why was AD out there in game six? And what's next for the Lake Show this summer? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. But on Twitter, it's at Showtime underscore Forum. That's at Showtime underscore forum on Twitter. And you can also follow us on our website, the showtimeform.com. Chaz, you know, the season came to a shocking end last week. And I don't know if there was more fitting music than this right here. Call it out. Okay, I don't want to depress everybody for too long, but it's it not only was it fitting music to basically summarize the Lakers being just eliminated, uh, but that's also a song to uh, honor our, our fallen troops since last week. It was Memorial Day, so it was Memorial Day week, so a chance to honor those who have sacrificed so much for, for this wonderful country of ours, so shout out to all of our service men and women who uh, fight for, who put our, their lives on the line for our freedom. So I felt it was kind of serving two purposes right there. Chaz, what do you think? RIP to this season. RIP to our fallen heroes as well. But man, I mean, I, I hate to sound so damn sad, but here's one thing I'll start the show off by saying. And I've been telling everybody else this, you know, when they ask me how I feel. It's one thing to lose, mm-hmm. right? But it's another thing to lose as the champs, right? Like when you are the defending, reigning, reigning, defending champions. Yeah. Right. It's another, it, it feels a little bit more different. Like, like when Toronto lost last year, right. You know, even, even though they didn't, weren't expected to do anything after Kawhi left, but they were still the reigning defending champions. And, and they had a good season. You know, that, I'm sure that loss hit, diff, hit different. Yeah. And they had a good season as well. So, I mean, we haven't experienced that since 2011. It's been over a decade since we you know lost as the champions from the 2010 2011 season and um yeah it definitely hits different especially when you go out the way that we did i i didn't expect us to lose game six at home right like there were certain games that i knew that we would just have right which was game three i thought game i figured we'd lose game one i figured we'd win game two and game three game four was going to be the dog fight and then game five and six would be, you know, what game five and six of a seven round seven game series was supposed to be. But that game five, man, mm. that damn game five, that gave me chills 
like when you know remember when the Celtics beat the Lakers in the 2010 finals in game five to take a 3-2 lead yeah it was Nate Robinson and big baby Davis Shrek and donkey Shrek right and, and, donkey, and you had them yeah. you know all over the new all all over the newspapers big baby Davis slobbering everywhere you know what I'm saying like it took me back to that that was the last time the Lakers like really you know got beat in in, in a big game the time before that it was obviously that that Boston massacre mm-hmm. in game six of the 08 finals but right. the most recent time that that's what that reminded me of and for us to I'm still not over that like the fact that we fought back in game six gives me a little bit of pride but if we would have fought back like we did in game six this year mm-hmm. like like we didn't do in game five like normally when you put in your second unit when you're up 30 or down 30 right the, the lead tends to shrink instead mm-hmm. of extend right and that's pretty much what happened in that game five kind of what happened against the Milwaukee Bucks tonight that the Brooklyn Nets, you know, beat them, had them down by, I think 50 at one point. It was 49. 49, Yeah. But going back. Yeah, no, I think you, I think you bring up a lot of, yeah, I think you bring up a lot of games like that is just really what tears you up. It it does. It does. And it was, I mean, it really, at the end of the day, I just, I just didn't, I just wouldn't have thought that we would have gone out the way that we did that, 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 that's, that's it. You know, and I'm and I'm not going to put a bunch of blame on injuries. I I know people want to, and but injuries are a part of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not one of those Laker fans that's going to say, "Oh, well, you know, Miami suffered injuries and too bad." And you know, Chris Paul had an injury in this season. I'm talking about Miami last year in the bubble, or you know, KD and Kyrie, you know, were out or they didn't, you know, they didn't make it. Injuries are just a part of the game, so you know, I'm not going to blame injuries. Uh, obvi- I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point, right? I can point out at the same time, it's pretty obvious the Lakers would have won that series if AD was AD, you know, like in games two and three, he was absolutely, you know, a monster. And if LeBron James could have, you know, had AD on the floor, there's no doubt in my mind the Lakers would still be playing against Denver tonight instead of, you know, Phoenix playing against Denver tonight. But um, that's just not how the game goes. And that's just kind of, you know, how it shakes out. To put it in simpler terms, this series was a microcosm for how the season went, right? Season was filled with injuries. You had a series that was filled with injuries. And the season was filled with injuries to to key players, to your stars, to Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Anthony Davis goes from hyperextending his knee after dealing with tendinosis during the regular season. Now he dealt with the hyperextended knee after uh, game three which leads to a growing strain in game four. You had bad outside shooting all season long. Guess what you had in this series? Bad outside shooting on open looks. Okay. And then of course you see, you see a inconsistency because of the injuries, because of the inconsistencies to the rotation. And what did we see all season long guys in and out of the lineup? Some guys getting benched for days, if not weeks at a time. Some guys uh, getting heavier minutes than I think anybody had expected. So there's just there. This series went as the season went, which is why I always say, and I said it all season long, the regular season matters. It really does because I am not a firm believer that even had the Lakers stayed healthy, they were going to be good enough to get out of this Western Conference. Denver is good. And Utah and the Clippers are good teams. They're really good teams and they're hungry and they're healthy. So it 
would have been very difficult for the Lakers. This would have been the most difficult championship that in recent memory, anyway, that they would have had to go up against and try to attain because of all the obstacles they would have had to go through and all the great teams they would have had to go through. So definitely things change after that. I was okay with that. Right. I accepted that. Right. I knew but, that. but, but I, and I hear what you're saying to go down 30 when you have still a guy like LeBron James on the court who clearly LeBron was not a hundred percent. He was good enough to go, but he was clear. It kind of reminded me of 2019 when he came back after the growing injury. Yeah. He was still putting up pretty good numbers, but he didn't look or feel like LeBron James, like what we saw last year during the regular season and in the bubble, that dominant, fast, just downhill force, the freight train from hell, as I always like to call him, 6'8", 260 coming at you. And I just didn't feel that. I didn't feel that same passion. I didn't feel that same physicality. I just didn't feel it. And I didn't really feel it the whole year. And yeah, they were good enough to get into the playoffs. I thought the coaching did a good job keeping their heads above water, treading water, whatever analogy you wanted to use. I thought we saw flashes of guys stepping up. We saw flashes of what this team could have been. But at the end of the day, the injuries, too many new faces, too many guys trying to fit into their roles. It was just a hodgepodge of, of, of a disaster. Let's just call it what it was. It's exactly a lot of guys that we had high expectations for when they picked him up in the offseason, the Dennis Schroeders, the Montrez Harrells, uh, Marcus Saul, then you bring in McLemore and, and Matthews and, uh, and, and Marcus Saul. It just, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. I mean, guys had moments of playing well, but altogether they weren't able to put it. You know, you know what I mean? There are times where you're able to put it together and now hit the ground running. They never really had that moment. And they certainly didn't have it late in the season going into the playoffs when things now, start to matter. And I guess we just kind of felt like the star power was going to be enough to overcome all of these other issues. Like it kind of was last year, but it wasn't. And that's how, and don't forget you're going up against a two seed. This wasn't, this wasn't a one, eight matchup where you're the one facing an inexperienced eight, like what Utah found against Memphis. You were the seven seed. So no home court advantage. And you were playing against a Phoenix team, Phoenix team that was healthy all year that smacked the Lakers back after two bad losses to the Lakers. Phoenix came back. So you have to give them credit, credit to the coaching staff, credit to the players. They showed a, an incredible amount of poise and maturity and toughness. And that's how they were able to beat the Lakers. So give credit where credit's due. It was their year and they deserved it and the Lakers didn't. I don't even want to say it's their year because Brooklyn's going to win the championship now. It was either Brooklyn or the Lakers. So that, well, that's I'm my at their opinion. year to, you know, move forward. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Props to Phoenix. You know, if they even make it to a Western Conference final, that'll that'll be a surprise for me because um I think they'll get I think they'll get taken out at some point. But they probably will. This is this is why we have to cherish every championship that we get. This is why 2020 was so special. Right. The Lakers were the best team all season and it got a four or five month layoff at the, at the worst time, essentially. And it still was able to pick it up right where they left off and, and win the championship and go Lakers in five, Lakers in five, Lakers in five, then Lakers in six to win a championship. So you take that and then you fast forward to where we're at now. I mean, yeah, I, at the end of the day, yeah, you can be the best team, but you still have to have something shake in your direction, mm -hmm. not luck, but favor, right? 
some things that are just got to go your way. And from an injury perspective, a COVID perspective, just a continuity, you know, roster perspective, we just, we just didn't have that. And we were still, and we had enough talent to overcome it. Right. But there were some things and we'll talk about it a little bit more. You know, you just had some things that didn't shake your way, like coaching, for example, getting out coached, having less effort, not being 100%, having less continuity because you didn't have as much time with everybody on the floor the way that you wanted to. I think we started the roster that we, you know, that we had started uh, in the majority of the games against Phoenix. I think we only had started that unit at least five times, four times. You know, and you couldn't have told me that Schroeder was going to play worse than Rondo in the playoffs, like that much worse than how than what Rondo played in the playoffs last year. You couldn't have told me that Wesley Matthews would have given us 50% less than Danny Green gave us. You couldn't have told me that KCP would be a shell of himself yeah. for six games, four games. I he think what Yes, Chaz, he had two two good games this series. Chaz, you, you know what told annoying, me those things. Of course, and let me just cut you out just for a sec. Yeah, I think you you bring up a good point. I think what annoyed me more than anything besides the injuries, where was the fight back from this from this particular group? There was no fight back. There was no passion. The one thing that I respected so much about that 2020 squad, and there was a lot. How many games did they actually get annihilated in? How many games did they actually get blown out in? Very few. They were in every single game during the regular season and the playoffs. There was so much fight back. They would be down 15, 16, 17 points. They would fight back. They wouldn't always win, but there was a tremendous amount of fight back from last year's group that I didn't see enough of this year. You didn't have enough. So that person was Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was replaced with Montrezl Harrell who couldn't get on the floor in key moments, in key games, as well as in the playoffs. That's the type of, like, that kind of player doesn't just bring, you know, skill and points and defense. He brings a certain tenacity, a certain pace to the game, right? right. And you had that player to answer your question directly, in my opinion, was, was Dwight Howard and or Rondo. Dwight Howard in the paint, Rondo on the perimeter. Shorter, Shorter's pretty tenacious on the perimeter, but... You know, when you had Mark Gasol and AD, Drummond just isn't that guy. No. Right? Drummond's not going to bring that that passion, right? Like, he's, you know, he's great, right, as far as his, you know, his skill and his demeanor. But he's not going to give you that that dog, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to, you know, give you that consistently. So, to answer your question, Dwight Howard was that person. That person went to Philly was replaced with somebody that we decided to sit on the bench who was the reigning defending six man of the year mm. up until a week ago when Jordan Clarkson got it. So that's where I say out being out coached didn't shake in our direction. There were some decisions that were made. Um, there were some promises that were made by Rob Palenka and Frank Vogel uh, to players such as Andre Drummond, as well as Dennis Schroeder that said that they were going to play regardless. Right. And not only see, and here's the thing, not only did they make those promises and stick to them, they set themselves up to where they had to follow through with the promise. Yeah. Like they didn't bring in somebody else to like put, to put in just in case it didn't work out. A lot more me no, than we. That's exactly. What, there was, there was nobody mean. that was going to back up shorter the way that, you know, you had, it was just, it was shorter and broad, literally that's it. 
as, as far as ball handlers and somebody that was going to play some tenacious defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Wesley Matthews, I will take for the minimum, but I would have, man, let me just tell you this. I would have rather paid Danny Green $15 million for what he's doing in Philly this year, or even what he gave us last year, Yeah, which wasn't even close to what he gave Toronto or San Antonio. But right. I would have taken what Danny Green gave us this year for $15 million than what Wes gave us for three. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, look, all of these players that, that that got brought in, let's be honest, they showed flashes at times of what could be. For Marcus Gasol, that actually occurred after Drummond arrived. That's when Marcus Gasol really started to make his impacts felt. For Schroeder, it was here and there, but you know he had two different COVID protocol stints that forced him to miss extended time. I like the defense that he brought to the table, the ball handling, pick, picking up a guy 94 feet. He even showed to be a decent outside shooter. And let's be honest, the two games that he played well in this series were, were two wins. So it goes to show you the X-factor-like impact he could have on this squad. Montrezl Harrell, when AD went down, did a good job coming up off the bench and consistently providing that energy. And then Drummond never really got going, but even he had like a week or two where he looked somewhat decent and he was fine trying to find his way through uh through, through the you know through uh, on this roster and through the system the issue was nothing was consistent it wasn't like we could bottle everything up and then put it out there night in and night out and i think a lot of that has to do with the constant shuffling of the lineups who's in who's out who's hurt who's sick who's you know what i mean it was when you have that sort of lack of consistency, it's going to lead to a lack of chemistry and continuity. And you need those things to be successful. That's why Phoenix has been so good this year. That's why Denver's been good this year. That's why a lot of these other teams have been good. Yeah, Brooklyn had a lot of guys in and out, but because their three stars are relatively younger and in their primes, they were able to kind of hit the ground running once everybody got back together, right? So... That's the the mere exception. But if you are this Laker team and your stars are consistently missing time, guess what? It's going to, it's not going to bode well for everyone else in the long run. And you just didn't have enough runway to get guys going all on the same page, all on the same time. Had this group had an extended training camp, a normal season, practice time consistently, avoided serious injury. That's where the luck factor comes in. The luck factor comes into staying healthy especially during the playoffs because injuries can doom a team. And I, and I'll say this before, had they stayed healthy, they would have been good enough to win the series and maybe upset Phoenix in the first round. But I don't know how that would have bode well for the long run. Just get, just given the fact this team was so prone to missing open shots, Chaz, and going through all these scoring droughts, that was their problem all season long. And this series was no different. That's why these le- these deficits would get out of control or whatever leads that they would have would get shrunk in a matter of minutes. I like it. You know, I'm literally, I'm using this as, as, as a little bit of a therapy session. Cause I'm, while you were talking, I was thinking, I like it. I like that we lost because it gives us that much more hunger to come back and the time that we can use, right? We have like what, an extra month, month and a half over maybe somebody like Brooklyn yeah. or the Clippers if they go to the finals or even the Phoenix Suns or, right. you know, two teams that are within the Lakers division. 
and everybody's going to be looking to prove something too, just like they were in the 2019, 2020 season. I expect AD to have an MVP season next year. Yeah. And we'll talk and we'll talk about him a little bit more. Yeah, we'll get to him in, in, we'll, in the next yeah. couple of talkets. But 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 yeah, I, I would I would expect AD. for him, I would expect for him to be hungry. Um, I would expect for just everybody to just be that much more hungry. Not to say that we weren't, but I, I like that we lost. Like you you knew that the Lakers were going to either you know win the championship and then probably not win it again for a little, like go back to back and then not win it again for a while, mm-hmm. or you know lose and then you know kind of be able to get right back on track so you know there were just some things that didn't shake shake our way and I know and, and I hate to ask this question you know because really the, the the answer is you know injuries at the end of the day but if you put injuries and in, in terms of controlling what we can control as at the forefront who's the most to blame if you had to put it on you know if you had to dish out some slices of blame pie which you got? I yeah, that's that's a tough one. I, I think you could say Frank Vogel deserves a fair share for not getting the most out of these guys. However, I go back to what I, I said earlier, the lack of practice time. Go back to... I'm talking... Hold on. My, my question is in terms of controlling what you can control. So okay. take COVID, take injuries, take practice time. That's all. That's all pretty much been the same across the board. For everybody, I would in terms say, of controlling what you can control. You started okay. with Vogel. Right. I mean to cut you off, but go no, ahead. no, no, go, no, no. That's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I would say Vogel only because I don't think he got the very best out of Montrez Harrell. I don't think he utilized him correctly. I I thought they were trying to do things with Trez that he wasn't used to doing. The guy won the Sixth Man of the Year by being a pick and roll threat on offense and just being an energy guy creating second chance opportunities, getting, getting offensive rebounds, finishing around the rim, bringing that energy, that passion, that hunger, screaming after an and one. I loved all that. And Chess, guess what? We still saw that throughout the season. But as the season went on with the addition of Drummond and then utilizing Marcus All and then AD coming back, he got phased out. And I really thought this was going to be a series that Trez, as long as he's not guarding DeAndre Ayton, he'll be fine. He'll be, he can, he could dominate guys like Kaminsky or Sarge in the paint or even Jay Crowder for that matter. If, if Crowder's playing at that, at that four or, or in the five spot, I don't, I don't know how Monty Williams utilize was going to utilize him. And that's where I put it on Frank Vogel and the coaching staff, because it just feels like there was a lack of trust there. I'm going to put it actually as well on the role players. How many open shots did you guys miss throughout the season? Kyle Kuzma, Wesley Matthews, KCP, Caruso, McLemore. Like nobody could make an open shot to save their lives. And especially in a year where your two stars are the walking wounded who clearly were not 100%, they needed you guys to step up. Last year, it was still a story, but it got overlooked because of how great LeBron and AD were. You don't win championships without the others. You think Shaq and Kobe would have won without Ori, Fox, Fisher, Shaw, and then Kobe winning two more without guys like Fisher, Ariza, Artest, you know, Farmar, Vujicic, Shannon Brown, guys like that. You need your role players to make big shots. You need them to make open shots. I'm not saying they got to go out and drop 20 plus every night, but you got to make open shots. So I put it on Vogel, not utilizing Trez correctly, and I put it on the role players for not making open shots. I'm not even going to put it on Palenka. These dudes have been 
35 to 40% career three point shooters. They got to be able to make an open look once in a while. I love it. No, no, no. I, I love it here. I'll, I'll break it down for you. I'm going to give Vogel 40%. I'm going to give Vogel 40. That's fair. It is not just, it's not because of the misuse of Trez. It's the misuse of Drummond, not recognizing that AD and Drummond can't play together in the playoffs for long stretches of minutes. I'm going to blame Vogel also for playing Drummond 10 straight minutes in game one and game four. I believe it was game one, though, specifically 10 straight minutes. And yeah. no, 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 game five. 10 straight minutes of game five. Yeah, I think it was the, in that third quarter. Yeah, and you wanted yeah, to of that third quarter that, that just killed us. Um, I'm going to give Vogel 40%. I'm going to give Bron 20 because you make, because you Bron. Yeah. Just because just, just you Bron and you make what you make. And, you know, and he didn't that, galvanize. That, that, this was one just, of the. This was one of the, I'm just going to cut you off for a sec. This was one of the few years I didn't see LeBron James galvanize his group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with both of I I agree with that. If he was sitting right here in this chair, I'd say, hey, bro, you got 20%. And he would say, shit, give me 50 or Mm -hmm. 100, you know? So um, I'm giving him 20. And then I'm going to go in order. I'm going to go next. I'm going to give AD probably, I'd give him 20, probably 15. No, let's make it 20. I'll make it 20. And here's why. Here's why for AD. He didn't do what he what it took to get his body ready. Whether or not he had the time mm-hmm. to do so, regardless of, you know, the injuries and everything like that. I'm talking I'm talking about in terms of controlling what you can control. We can tell you're not in the same shape as Braun right. or you know, KCP or mm-hmm. You know, like you, you just not, you, you know, you wasn't in shape. So yeah, um, I, I gotta, I gotta give him 20. So what is that? 40, 20, 20, that's 80%. 80%. And then 20. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to give 10% to the role players and I'm gonna give the other 10 to Planka. Yeah. Cause at the end, at the end of the day, he's the one that went to the store and bought the groceries. He, he uh, bought the groceries and he returned a lot of items that were key to the nutrition of the Lakers' bodies, he in did. He did, but but Vogel gets forty percent because he overcooked that meal and he yeah. didn't serve it and he didn't serve it right and he didn't do what he needed to do, and you know he didn't dress the table, he didn't you know do none of that. So yeah, um, he did a great. I, he did do a great job for having the number one defense in the league, mm-hmm. even without LeBron and AD keeping the he team was able competitive. To get, he, he he did he did do a good job of winning games without LeBron and AD. Correct. Specifically, I mean, what I'd like to point out to specifically is the games that he won without AD, but with LeBron mm-hmm. to keep the to keep the Lakers in the number one or number two seed, even while AD was out until LeBron had that ankle injury from Solomon Hill. Then all hell broke loose from right. falling from the two seed all the way down to seven and having to beat the Warriors on a last second desperation LeBron three in order to get into the seven seed. So, yeah, I mean, again. Things just have to shake your way. But in terms of controlling what you can control, Vogel, Braun, AD, role players, Palenka. Yeah, and on and in that role player mix that I was mentioning, I didn't mention Dennis Schroeder. And Dennis Schroeder definitely was a major culprit. And to me, what this series showed, and even the season, the fact that he had two COVID stints, there's there was a lack of focus and a lack of uh, of maturity from that kid. And he's a fantastic talent. I'm not taking anything as I, I, I'm not taking anything away from his overall talent, Chaz. My issue with him was maturity and focus. 
in a pivotal game five, knowing Anthony Davis isn't there and you're supposed to be a third or fourth option, you come up with a goose egg. No points. Oh, for nine. Really? Yeah. Really? More turnovers than assists. I mean, you made no impact. And you want it, and you turned you have the gall to turn down four years and 84 million because you want closer to a hundred million. So you're betting on yourself, and that's fine. Everyone's got a right to try to make the most uh possible. But what you did was make the Lakers look like geniuses. Like, thank goodness this guy didn't take that contract. Cause now guess what? We're gonna be stuck with that for the next four years, and this guy doesn't have the value where we could, if we wanted to flip him this offseason. We can't even really get fair value because you were so bad in the big spots. You run your mouth and you're good at that, but you couldn't back it up. That it to me shows a lack of maturity. So yes, I am going to give Dennis Schroeder. I'm going to give him 20% of the blame pie for the series loss more so than the regular season. I'm going to give him 20% on his own because he was actually out there playing extended minutes and he got bitched by campaign bitched Cameron Payne was probably the second was that embarrassing campaign should have been out of the league and and obviously it's a remarkable story and it goes to show you what a great coach Monty Williams was by taking a flyer out from uh on this guy and 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 believing in him and inspiring him of course playing alongside Chris Paul doesn't you know intruder will tell you this it, it obviously doesn't do anything to hurt your game you can only learn from one of the greatest point guards of all time uh, but still, it's like, dude, this dude should not be dropping 10 in the first quarter. Like, not only are you not making an impact offensively, you're not even doing anything defensively against this guy. So, Dennis, you know, I know we're going to say this and that about Trez. Trez couldn't get on the court. That's not his, that, that was beyond his control. You were on the court. You were starting. You put your ambitions over the team's ambitions and, and forced the Lakers to start you. And guess what? You were not good at all. Chris Paul with the bad shoulder was better than you. That's how sad that was. Yeah, I was just going to point that out. I thought that Dennis Schroeder playing with Chris Paul in OKC, coming off of that, that he would be that leader, right? And just take his game that much higher because I saw what he was able to do in OKC, even in that first round series against the Houston Rockets and James Harden. But, I mean, playoff time came and my man just wasn't ready. He just wasn't. And, and to focus, be honest, I would say that he wasn't ready because he was irresponsible, you know, and I, and I hate to say that. I hate to say that. Yeah. And the reason why I hate to say that is because, you know, this COVID thing knows no bounds. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. He said he he said he was he never got it or anything like that. But I mean, shit, man, at the end of the day, there's this reason why you were in the protocols twice. Yeah. The second time when it, when it cost you, what did it cost him? Like two games? Yeah. It was uh, maybe not 10, like, but it was like definitely, eight? it was like, it was like it was six, definitely at least like six. I think it was six to seven games. Yeah. He was gone two full weeks from May 1st. And he came back for the final two regular season games in Indiana and new Orleans. So, yeah. uh, so but, I mean, I was, I, but he was very disappointing. I mean, look, I'm not going to say that the whole series or whole season loss goes on him, but when the Lakers needed him to step up after it was clear that you're not getting anything out of Kuzma, the role players are struggling. Some of them are injured. Wait, wait, hold on. You, you can't just gloss over that. You can't gloss over Kuz. And I'm, and you know me, 
Okay, Peter, well, we're gonna high, man. we're gonna get to Kuz in a little bit, but I wanted to point out Schroeder in particular because in a game five to put up a zero, a goose, yeah. that was inexcusable. In the biggest game of the season, that to me just showed you that this team it wasn't meant to be. They were not in the right headspace at that point, and they deserve. And like I said all season long, with this team playing as poorly as they are, injuries, not being able to put it together, they deserve what they got coming. And guess what? They got the seven seed. You got a really good Phoenix team that you probably felt was the best matchup. And we all thought it was going to be a, a really good matchup for the Lakers that they could take them out in five or six games, but you don't do the right things. And it, you, you know, you expect to just go out there because you're the Lakers, you're the defending champs. You have the two of the top five players in the game. Doesn't always work that way. And then one of those players gets hurt, which was Anthony Davis. And you know, we say, Chaz, why was AD out there? As we go from the role players to the star players, AD should not have been out there in game six, but he heard the chatter over the days, being called street clothes, being called, you know, having his heart called into question, having all of these things about not just his game, but his durability and his toughness and his heart. That could not have sat well for a guy who last year we were talking about being a defensive player of the year finalist and a potential finals MVP. So he gave it a go trying to do the Willis Reed, Clyde Drexler thing, trying to play under adversity when you're clearly not a hundred percent. And after five minutes, he re-aggravated the growing injury. Couldn't go right. Couldn't move. Vogel took him out and he was done. And maybe it was a mercy kill at that point, but I mean, I'm glad he tried, but it was obvious he was not 100%, and he should not have played that game, in my opinion. Chatter or not, people are going to say what they're going to say. They're going to say it anyway, whether you play or not. I just said, I just would have said, you know what? I'm here for five, four more years. I got to think about the future and not just this one single game. So I wasn't surprised that he played. I was actually surprised that he was cleared, to be honest. Mm. Like that, that was the first thing. I was like, oh, man, they cleared this guy? Because he couldn't even step left or step right without even being able to, you know, wince or anything like that. So yeah. the fact that that happened, you know, just put me in a, in a perspective of, okay, like, well, if he's clear, then he must be okay to at least play, you know, for at least some amount of time. Could he certain do certain movements? No, but I, I didn't think that he was going to look as bad. I really wish he didn't play because here's the thing. Here's, here's my perspective. Here's what I think. Mm -hmm. I think if he didn't play, we could have, we would have had a better chance to win that game. The reason why Phoenix went off on us for, to a tune of 36 to 14 in that first quarter is because AD sucked the life out of us. Mm -hmm. His energy, like he didn't just have no energy. He had negative energy, just bad, just juju because he was just on the court, couldn't move, was in pain, you know, I always say, you know, you want to carry yourself the way, you know, the way that you should, especially when other people are watching, head all down, not picking his head up, moping, but pretty much mope, moping on the court for five minutes yeah. is pretty much what he did for half the quarter. And, and in that yeah. quarter, I mean, they, they took, they took an eight point lead, 10 point lead, 15 point lead. Booker is dumping lead. three Booker after just three. Dumping three yeah. after three after three. Mm -hmm. And by the time you want to make a switch, they're already up double digits and 80, 80 sitting on the bench, not even on the bench, on the floor. Mm -hmm. And Brian had to like, tell him, Hey man, like, you know, get up and go to the bat. It was just, it, it was a bad sight. And yes. yeah. 
and and that for me was was what killed me more than anything because I I knew it was over. You know when it was, when I knew it was over, I knew it was over in the first quarter, where Devin Booker's going off. There's a timeout called. They come back out of the timeout. Caruso makes like a boneheaded turnover. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker gets the ball. Caruso doesn't gets back on deep, but doesn't stop the ball. Forces Trez in the open court to be oh, able to yeah. try and try and stop Devin Booker. He Trez thinks Devin Booker's driving. Booker just stops and pops a three and forces Borgo to call like a, another timeout within fifty seconds of each other. Man, I must have picked up this bar stool that you see right behind me right here. Threw it like halfway down this hallway. I was so mad. I, you had I a Bobby Knight. Like, you had a Bobby Knight type. Yeah, moment. I had a Bobby Bobby Knight moment because I, I I just knew it was over. Yeah. You know, I just I you know, we've you and I some are some or some people that have watched enough. You know, not just Laker basketball, but just basketball to know the ebbs and flows of the game, mm-hmm. and you just could tell. Now, again, on the opposite side of that, you could see that the Lakers probably could have won this game if it wasn't for these flagrant foul reviews. Mm. There were two flagrant foul reviews that just killed the momentum when the Lakers got it within 10, 94 to 84, after LeBron James had a, um, like yeah. a reverse, lay, reverse layup. The Lakers had the momentum, and they were coming. And there was a flagrant foul done, I think, by KCP mm-hmm. on a block shot of Torrey Craig. And then there was a flagrant foul called on uh, – on Marquise Morris, yeah, uh, for hitting. I think I, think I saw that. Yeah, Cameron. Remember, Cameron I was, I was, face. I was covering. Yeah, so I was actually covering a Sparks game, which was right next door to where the Lakers were getting dominated. So in a way, I'm kind of glad I wasn't at home in a room by myself watching the Lakers get smacked. I had the game on my phone, but obviously, I, I was focused on a team that was actually making threes that night, and that was the LA Sparks. So <laughs> I was even joking. I said. If you could have gotten four of these women for the Sparks who were actually making threes, put put them next to LeBron James, maybe that game could have been a little bit closer. But uh, hey, things happen. But um, yeah, yeah, I did I did notice that the two flagrant foul reviews and that did kill the momentum. But Chaz, let's be honest. I I mean they could have made that game close, but I never got the sense they they could have overtaken. Uh, no, Phoenix in that game. No, I mean, but maybe it, it, you go look, out swinging. I don't know. In front of the lake, at, the end of, at the end of the day, we I know the ebbs and flows of the game, and and you do too. And based off of what I saw, if it wasn't for like if, if the game could have just kept going instead of halting the game for you know five minutes apiece minimum, you know, then, then maybe they would have had a chance. But at the end of the day, the better team won. And getting yeah. back to AD, should AD have played this game? Answer is no, no, for a multitude of reasons. My reason isn't just because of on the court, you know, actual play and schematics and everything like that. I'm just talking energy. And he zapped the hell out of us as far as energy goes. His energy was whack. And um, and it showed. And, you know, LeBron's, you know, and here's the one thing, man. I don't ever want to see LeBron James like, man, it was tough to see him like give up on those plays at the end of the game. And and, for, just, and for, yeah, and and force our players, you know, to play four on five pretty much for like a possession or two, because he's just you know, pissed and standing in the backcourt. And I know we're down 18, 20 with three minutes to go or whatever the case may be, but you know, 
this name that you see on the front of this jersey means something. And mm-hmm. that kind of, that disappointed me. That's just a personal opinion that I have. That I haven't even shared with anybody even, you know, on a personal basis or even on Twitter. I'm just, you know, it's just coming to mind as I speak to you guys right now like that, you know, that was pretty whack to me as well. So, you know, we're not going to get, you know, we're not going to bury these guys. We're not going to, you know, act like we're not grateful for the sacrifices that they make on a daily basis and the championship that they brought to us mm-hmm. last year. But, you know, so what, what have you done for me lately league? Right. And this exactly. year you weren't able to, you, you didn't get the job done. So, you know, you get an extra month and a half off plus, you know, a full, a full off season. You can go to Cabo, Miami, Vegas, Antigua, wherever go, the hell go you want to go. Go do what you got to do. LeBron, go get your go, mind right. Go and, produce. Go produce another film or TV show or what. Yeah, go 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 play with the Goon Squad. You know, <laughs> I'm looking forward to. You know, I'm looking. I hated that damn quote when he said that. Oh man, I'm gonna go I, play I for the Toon Squad. LeBron, I'm not gonna play for the Olympics. Said, oh, I'm not gonna play. I'm for not the playing for the Olympics. I'm playing for the Toon Squad. Yeah, like, yeah. Shut it kind of goes to show you, dude. But you know, and and you're absolutely right. The the body language, and it wasn't just in game six. You talk about AD in game six, LeBron leaving the court in game five. I mean, there were there were a lot of people pointing that out. In- I never saw that. What do you, I heard about it, right. but I never really like, you know, when you see something on your, on your, on your feed and you, and you read it, but you don't click it. Yeah. That was one of those for me. What, what was it? What were they talking about? With so him? no, he it's just, it just made him it's look, a, it's a game five. It's not the end of the series. No, like, I understand that, but it still looks bad. Remember op, you know, reality is 2020 for a lot of people. So there was no walk- time on the clock. Was there? No, there was five thirty-seven to go Chaz. And he was walking off the court and even Vogel got asked about it. Like what, like what basically happened there? I I don't think he ever came back. And Vogel said he had permission. He wanted to start his treatment. So he wasn't coming back in the game anyway. So we let him go, but it still looks bad. bad. It looks like to a lot of people, to a lot lot of people, I'm 36. Okay. Once let me just finish this comment to a lot of people. It looked bad. It looked like he just didn't want to be next to his teammates. Looked like he was quitting on his team, and it it almost had the air of bad sportsmanship. Granted, and, and then he didn't on the court. He didn't shake anybody's hands. Now I'm not saying, look, yes, it, it didn't look good, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wag my finger at LeBron. But there were a lot of people that were, and LeBron. There was the picture of him shaking Devin Booker's hands. That them embracing him, giving him a signed jersey to, to Booker. That was a great moment, by the way, at the end of the series. And we've seen other players do that. But in the moment, in real time, and once people start posting clips of that, it did not look good, mostly in game five, more so than game six. That, what that's happened what in game six? He, he did not go up to Chris Paul on the court. You know, at the end of a series, people usually shake hands and – you know, unless it's the NBA Finals, if it's the first three rounds, guys usually shake hands on the court and whatnot. LeBron did everything behind the scenes. I'm sure he, obviously, we saw what he did with Booker, but I'm sure he had that moment with Chris Paul and uh, Monty Williams and Aiton and, and those guys. But in those moments, it didn't it didn't look good. So that's what I'm commenting on: the body language, certain things that happened toward the end of that series where the when the Lakers were truly getting their butts kicked, and there was no chance of a of a real comeback that it was officially oh. over it did not look good in those moments i'm going to get that oh. back to ad in a sec i just wanted you to react to that i 
I got to ask you first before you get my reaction. Regardless, I don't care about anybody else's opinion that it didn't look good. What did you think? Did you care personally? Personally, I think there was enough there to react to instead of what a player does with five and a half minutes to go, right? And it, it is LeBron. Did it bother you that it he didn't, didn't shake Chris Paul's hand on the court? Okay, I didn't see any of that till after the fact. When you found see- out that he didn't shake Chris Paul's hand on the court, did it bother your soul? I think there's a way you have to do things. Even though you just got your butts kicked and you lost at home and you lost in the first round for the first time and there's no chance you're going to defend your title, there still has to be that air of good sportsmanship where you say, hey, man, Tough battle, great job, good luck moving forward, especially when Chris Paul is one of your best friends. Devin Booker is a rising star. Monty Williams is a great coach. I mean, maybe not with everybody. There's a lot of good young players who grew up watching you, uh, like Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and Campaign and those and some of those boys. But I really thought that he should have at least done that aspect of it. Yeah, you do behind the scenes, but remember, optics are 2020, reality is 2020. So I was more bothered by what happened at the end of game six than at game five, but still like, I'm not going to, once again, I'm not going to wag my finger at LeBron James. He, he's a grown man. He did what he did, but I'm saying that opens you up to even more criticism on top of the other criticism that you have to deal with. He's too old. The, the body won't hold up anymore. This and that, like now you have to deal with that BS too. When all you had to do was just stay on the court and shake everyone's hands. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, man. Me personally, I didn't know about it. But now that I know about it, I wish I didn't know about it because I really don't care. Okay. I don't care that he left the bench early to go help us try and get a better chance to win, to go ice his ankle, to give us, our team, even a 1% better chance to win because he might feel just that much better because he got an extra five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes. That's me personally. I'll agree. With my man, my man was my man was thinking about his ankle and the next game during the game. That's how smart he was. So for me personally, I could care less about optics. As far as game six goes, I could care less about that too. Okay. You want to know why? Because I've seen this man get swept in the finals on national television and shake every player's hand, all other nine players, including his teammates and both coaches and everybody on the bench with however many minutes left to go, losing the championship, getting swept in his last game in Cleveland. I saw him do that. I don't need to see this man shake another hand ever if you don't want to. He's earned that if he, if he decides that. Now, we've seen him shake hands otherwise, and we've seen him sign jerseys and post picks, or he didn't post it, but the NBA, NBA.com site did. I'm thinking more so about what he has done to be able to get the equity to be able to do that. Now, where he falls short for me is when – the game is still going when it's not triple zeros yet. And you walk in on, in the backcourt, forcing a team to play four on five. That bothers me. Yeah. And anything you're actually else, in the game. You're in anything the game. outside of that 94 feet. And the game, and when the game hits triple zeros, I don't care. I just, I, I, I just don't. It, I just day, don't think it you know? left a good taste in a lot of people's mouths. Laker nation included jazz. No, no. I mean, I mean, the people that are really bothered are the people that had something negative to say when he signed on July 1st, 2018. Maybe you're right. Those are those people that have the issue with it. 
Maybe you're right. right. I all I'm saying is there's a there's a right way of doing things. There's not a right way. I agree with you in game five. That really didn't bother me much. And I, but still like just He's thinking about real, your team. He's thinking about your team. Right, right. And that's why I said, like, okay, you know, you're getting your butts kicked, start your treatment and whatnot. And who knows what that entails that you can't you, you obviously need a facility or a room equipped to handle that instead of just coming bring in the ice buckets out near the court or on the sideline and start it starting all of that so um but going back to anthony davis there's a lot okay i don't think he came into camp in the best shape you even said it before the injuries he was playing like what was he playing like again ash yes so he was not having a good season even before the injuries had started right his numbers were down, his three-point shooting percentage, his regular field goal percentage, the, anything outside the paint was struggling. His free throw shooting was not good this year. It just didn't feel like he ever got going this season. And then you top it off with missing three months with the Achilles tendinosis on your, on your right Achilles, coming back, trying to make sure that you don't re-aggravate that injury. And then you hyperextend your knee, which eventually leads to a strained groin. It was the year of the injury for Anthony Davis worse than anything he ever experienced in new Orleans. But I don't know if it's just merely a rest factor. I think this is something that he is going to have to really step up the training, the diet, all of that stuff. And even then, I don't know if there are, if those are guarantees to keep this man from getting dinged up year in and year out. So one of the, I think the training has to change. I think the diet maybe have to change. And also, can you avoid falling down as much as you do? Like, is there like I remember Tony Parker uh, used to fall down a lot early in his career. And Greg Popovich said, "Hey, if you don't, if you don't find a way to not crash on the ground as much as you do, you're not going to last five years in this league. Like, you're you're going to ding your body up so bad that it's going to rob you of of your prime and your explosiveness and that quickness." And Anthony Davis, I mean, for a guy who's that tall. To be falling down that much, Chaz, that's something that's got to change. So, what do you think? Am I reaching on that? No, yeah, he's got to, he's got to take better care of his body. Um, he didn't get to do. I listened to him in his post game or his exit interview talk about you know six weeks of strength training and then and then you know before he even gets even touches the basketball after taking you know however much time off. So yeah, he'll be able to do that and. Um, Obviously, he wasn't able to get in, you know, that time of um, strength training and conditioning and everything like that. Right. Um, the the silver lining, honestly, is that there's no major injuries that LeBron or AD have to go and have surgery on, mm-hmm. to our knowledge so far. Yeah. Like, they don't need any surgical matters. I mean, might they get maybe a, a scope or, you know, an incision or something like that? Possibly, you know, they're still, you know, world-class athletes at the end of the day, but to our knowledge, they didn't suffer anything that's going to take six, nine months to recover from. Right. You know, like maybe, you know, Jamal Murray is having to go through right now. Or, or what Jalen Durant. Brown, or Jalen Brown with his, yeah. with his wrist or like Durant did yeah. or like Clay did missing. Clay missed two full seasons. Yeah. With two yeah. separate season ending injuries. Poor guy. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, we're just, we're, I'm just thankful that that's not us. Mm-hmm. And we have the 22nd, you know, pick and 
we'll, we'll get into that in our next topic as far as, you know, what's going to happen over the course of the next, you know, three, four or five months right. before we, you know, really ramp up for this next season. But I'm just thankful we don't have any of those injuries. And I'm just thankful also that we have the, we got, we got that one, you know, like yeah. that, that's, that's really what I fall back on at the end of the day. Every time I feel myself getting sad, you know, you know, talking about, you know, cause we still, I'm still a fan of the game, right? So I'm still going to sure. watch all these games. And I'm yeah. still gonna, and there's some good series you know, that are going to be going yeah, some, on. Some, some, especially some good series in the West. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about that, that Atlanta Sixers series, but like just watching the game and just, you know, waking up and, um, you know, thinking about, man, you know, I got to watch this Clipper Dallas game, but you know, no Lake show today. You know, I'll have Lake show for, you know, the next four or five months. Yeah. That's a disappointing aspect. That's man. a disappointing part. But at the end of the day, I fall back on that 2020. And, of course. You know, yeah. And how what, special what, that was. And like now, how special it was. So, yeah. No, I, I, I hear you loud and clear on that partner. And I think you bring up a lot of good points and maybe this is what they needed. It just was such a rough season with everything. Just the COVID, the short turnaround, no practice and trying to get everybody on the same page and the injuries to your stars. And it was just so hard to ever get going and lock in. And now it's over. You could kind of get yourself, you know, back on, back on track. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, um, to see, you know, moving forward, what this team does and what they really need to address. So that takes us, to the next topic, you know, what, what's next for the Lake show this summer, they, they have quite a few guys that they have to make some decisions on the following are free agents, Andre Drummond, Dennis Schroeder, Alex Caruso, Montrez Harrell has a player option. Taylor Horton Tucker, who had a fantastic season, uh, will be a restricted free agent. And then you, of course, you've got Wesley Matthews and Ben McLemore. Those are the main free agents. Now, I don't know about Kaycock and Costas out to Compo. I think Jared Dudley is another uh, free agent, but you could always bring him back. Markeith Morris. I can't forget about him, but so you've got about nine or 10 names there that Rob Palenka is going to have to make decisions on. And let, before I get your per, uh, uh, perspective on this and your reaction, the one thing we have to kind of be careful of, we can't make emotional decisions, or I should say Palinka, the bus brothers, Jeannie, the Rambi, they cannot make emotional decisions based on what happened in the first round. There are some guys on, uh, on this list that I just mentioned that could make a difference if given the chance to play a full season with a full off season, mini camp, training camp, all of those things. And I'd like to see what they can do in a normal season, 82 games, normal days off, practice times, etc. So there are some guys who are probably going to leave and seek literally greener pastures. And there are guys that I think that are all, that may be willing to stay and take less and see what they can do next to LeBron and Anthony Davis. So who do you think out of that group you would consider having back? And I'll tell you who I think they should consider bringing back. So let's go one right. by one, actually. This will be cleaner right. this way. All right. All right. Andre Drummond, yay or nay? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait for this part of the show. I couldn't wait for this part well, of the you show. Make, hold on. Do you want to make a comment first before we go name by name? Yeah, I go just. Ahead. My bad. Sorry about that. Let me just say this. Let me just, before I say who's back and who's not. No, no, we're going to go back one and move, on that. The number one move that I'm looking for 
is to see with one year left on his deal, if Bradley Beal is going to officially tell Tommy Shepard it's over. If and when that happens, I'm looking for Rob Palenka to go all in and do whatever it takes to get Bradley Beal mm. on this team. Okay. If that doesn't happen, now let's go name for name. Drummond. Okay. Actually, let's save Drummond for last. Let's save okay. Drummond for last. So let's go Dennis Schroeder. I want to save I want to save Schroeder as well. Okay. Let's, let's start. Okay. All right. All right. Let's start off with THT. Okay, no, I was actually going to say, do you want to start off with, okay, let's go THT then. Go ahead. THT, THT will be back. Yes. THT will be back. I agree. Alex Caruso. Sure. Alex Caruso will be back if he does not get the 30 to $40 million deal that he deserves. It will only be because of that. If he gets like a 20, you know, something that's not like, damn, you know, like generational type money. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, all of it's really is generational type money if you, if you know what you're doing with it. But like, if he's not getting like that 30, like if he's not getting like a three-year, $40 million deal, something like that, right? he's coming back. Okay. I think. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. So Caruso, THC, and I think Caruso would be happy if you got anywhere from like two, if he got a two-year deal worth about 14 to 15 million, I'd say I say that's enough to bring him back. I I think so, but yeah. So I mean, I and and that's just that. But I I mean, my my gut tells me that Caruso will be back mm-hmm. unless unless he just gets the bag bag like an offer he from, can't refuse. Yeah, offer he can't refuse from somebody like Orlando or <laughs> Charlotte or Atlanta or yeah. Philly. You know, just somewhere. You know, whatever wherever it may be. Um, Jared Dudley, you said Jared Dudley. Will yeah, yeah. So let's go. Back. Let's go, Jared Dudley. Yeah, he'll be back on a one-year, one and a half million dollar vets minimum. So he'll be back. Markeith Morris, who had He's a back. lot of highs and lows this year, but He's back. certainly brings a lot of toughness. So you you want to bring him back? Ben McLemore, streaky shooter. No, not back. I'll say yes if you could get him on a one-year deal worth maybe like maybe give him the same contract you gave Wesley Matthews. I, I would consider Macklemore because he is a microwave. I, no, no, I would consider it. No, let me let me just let me. I would consider it. I just don't think. I think there's going to be better shooters available. Okay, so Macklemore to, to, to get the Macklemore. So okay. Macklemore was you know he was he was good for when we got him, you know, and but but ultimately you know he didn't he didn't get to play and you know his defense was definitely suspect. So for sure he was he, he was just a, a streaky shooter. Yeah, no, exactly. Wesley Matthews also started off really slow, finished the season strong, actually played a really good game six, kind of spearheaded that Laker comeback. Uh, um, cons- consummate professional, good guy, streaky shooter. I don't I don't want him back, but I could see him coming back. Okay. But me personally, I don't I don't want him. Another year, another year older too. And, and I go back to your argument. There could be better shooters out yeah, there. It's going to be better, better, better. I believe. I mean, now if yeah. not, then, but no, I got, I get that's an, it's going to be a no for me, dog. Okay. All right. So let's go Montrez Harrell player option. Assuming he opts out. He's out. Think he's gone. Yeah, I agree too. I, I think he's going to go to a situation where one, he'll get more years, hopefully two, 
more money, but more importantly, a role, a better role. And it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to link up again with Lou Williams, who will also be a free agent this summer as well. And wherever Lou goes, maybe he tries to link up with him and they try to reenact that pick and roll, or he considers going to Philadelphia and, and getting back together with doc where he had yeah, his I don't, best season. I don't, I don't, I don't know where he goes, but wherever he goes, he's out and wherever he goes, uh, you know, they'll utilize him the right way because he's, he's, he's going to make a better, better decision. Like he, you know, he made this decision to come to the Lakers number one, because he didn't have to move. Right. They're offering him just as much as probably the Clippers or anybody else are probably going to offer. Actually, he probably took less. No, he I actually heard, I, I actually heard that he took less. Uh, Charlotte offered him a bag and, and I think, okay, he's, I think okay, he did, but well, anyways, um, yeah, but I but he wanted to win and he just fell in line and falling in line sometimes just doesn't get you what you want. Mm-hmm. And not only did it get him, it didn't get him what he wants, but it didn't get the team what they wanted either. And that was because they didn't use him in part. So right. I think he's out of there. I don't think he, I don't think my trust stays. Yeah, I I would like to see him back because I am a big fan of his game. I, yeah, I'd like I, to see him I back. was a big just... fan of him even with the Clippers. I got to cover him when I was covering the Clippers the last couple of years. Good dude, plays hard, always has business on his mind. He did like I always say, like, hey, what's it like playing or or what are you looking forward to playing this year? Hey man, they're the next one on the schedule. So we just gotta prepare. That's it. Like it was always business and nothing else for Trez. Yeah, he he talks a little bit on the court, but it's always to just to get himself going. So love that competitive edge. And if he, if this is the last moment he has with the Lakers, I would understand him leaving because you know, you didn't come here to sit on the bench for and, and have a DMP CD throughout these playoffs. So wouldn't surprise me if he left. And if he does, I wish him nothing but the best. Now we get into the two more interesting ones. So we're going to start off with Dennis Schroeder. So Dennis, the menace showed flashes of what he could do. Decent shooter is good at uh, picking up guys 94 feet can get to the basket decent free throw shooter brings an element of, of an edge and toughness it could be an irritant but very inconsistent and certainly didn't show up when it mattered so the question is are the lakers do they gain leverage out of this can they talk dennis into taking a shorter term as i like to call show me deal where you have to Show me what, why you're capable of, uh, of earning a four-year contract. Or do you think there will be a team, like you said, with Trez and some of these other guys, that's going to throw the years and the money that he wants, but it's not going to be a very good team. And he's just going to take it because he's just interested in making money only. I don't think Dennis Schroeder is coming back, nor do I want him to come back. Wow. And here's why. Some players are just it. I have no confidence in that man's shot. If you're a point guard and I can't trust your shot in the playoffs at all, like when, when every time you go to shoot a jump shot, I have to pray that it's going in. I can't, I can't do that. And pay you and pay you 20 plus million per year. More like 25 million a year, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's what he wants. Yeah. So here's the thing. He, you know, he bet on himself and lost. Oh yeah. Big time. So, for whatever, whatever he wants, he definitely isn't going to get. He's going to have to settle. Yeah. And, that's the, that's, and that's not only with the Lakers, but that's with any team around the league. Mm-hmm. You were auditioning for the entire league, and guess what? You laid a dud. So um, he bet on himself and lost. Now, you know, if we can get him on the cheap, then sure. But 
he said over and over, you know, it has to be fair on both sides. And fair in his mind is at least 18 to $22 million a year, if not more. And I ain't got it for somebody that, I ain't got, that can't shoot consistently. If you can't shoot 40%, 35% from, from three in the playoffs or in high leverage moments, I can't give you 20 plus mil. And that leaves me, go ahead and give him your answer on Schroeder. Yeah, I, I don't think they should bring him back if he wants those kind of years and money that we all, well, I mean, he turned down four for 84. I don't even want him on a show me deal. I would take him on a show me deal. However, we don't know what Rob Palenka has got up his sleeves. Uh, are they going to go your route? Like you said, with Bradley Beal, could they be in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes? Assuming Neil O'Shea and port and the Portland uh, ownership group is willing to part ways with their longtime uh, star. I mean, Dame time has been, has revolutionized rip city, but that's the thing. I don't know if the Lakers are going to be in play. And if that's the case, then of course you got to let Schroeder walk. But if that's a bunch of hooey and there's going to be better offers out there from some teams via the trade to land Damian Lillard and the Lakers can't match that because they they're devoid of really attractive assets, then yeah, you may consider bringing back Dennis Schroeder on a shorter term deal, but I don't even know if we'll want that. The point is, you could have other guards who could do what Schroeder does on a much cheaper basis and might even be able to do it better. Like, I'll take DJ Augustine for three mil, five mil, you know, back back a point. Like, there's just so many different players that could that could do, you know, what Schroeder did, to be honest. Like, he didn't even play, you know, great defense when, when it really mattered at the most, you know, so... He, he's not a player, like I said, that I'm dying to have come back. Um, we definitely, we st- at the end of the day, we still won that Danny Green trade, but mm-hmm. for, for what he gave us, but no, that's just not the player that I want. And um, that leads me to Drummond. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Unless he takes a considerable, like, I can't even tell you what he's even worth on the open market as of right now. It's let alone thing. what let alone what I would be willing to pay him. It's the same situation as Trez. Like we don't know what the open market is going to look like for these guys because their value took a hit. Same with Schroeder, you know, and when you don't perform well on the biggest stage, I honestly think Drummond was not as bad as we all thought. I'd like to see what somebody like that could do in a full season with a full training camp, get into better conditioning than what he was when he came to the Lakers, avoiding that toe injury. I think that kind of also led to a setback. But the one reason I'd let Drummond walk was he lacked any sort of edge. And we needed that from a starting front court player because even JaVale McGee, who keeps it tight to the chest, brought that night in and night out. So... My, that's my only problem with Drummond. He's talented, good rebounder, decent shot blocker, okay finisher, uh, capable of having 20-20 nights, but I, I didn't like the lack of edge, and he looked uncomfortable. He looked overwhelmed at times, and he did not bring that sort of front court edge that we needed. So from that aspect, I would let him walk because I don't know if I want to commit three to four years to this guy if that's what he's going to be seeking. I right, go get Dwight straight out. Like Dwight might be one of my first three calls just to make up for last year. <laughs> and I'm not paying him the minimum either. I'm giving him three or five. Like I'll do that. Wow. 
Yeah. Not JaVale, okay. but Dwight. I would I would I would make Dwight one of my first my, my first call would be obviously, you know, to Schroeder to try and work that out. My next call would be to Trez. And then my next call would be to Dwight Tajan. Another guy I would consider, and he's a free agent. No one's really talking about him. Steven Adams. I would, I would love to have a guy like Steven Adams with the Lakers. Tough. I have no idea. I, you know, let me pull up, let me pull up the free agent list real quick. I have yeah. no idea who, who, who even could be a free agent. But, but a guy like Steven Adams brings the toughness. He could block shots. He could rebound. He could finish. He's got good hands. Used to playing alongside a lot of other star players. One of those guys who it would not take him long at all to buy into his role. But once again, he could be somebody else that gets paid out this, uh, you know, th this summer by somebody. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And that's why I say like, it's very difficult to decide who to bring back because everyone's value took a hit. And are you willing to commit the years, not so much the money, but the years to, to these guys. And that's what I've always said, even about baseball free agents, it's tough to decide to not just the money. That's not the problem. It's the years. Do we want to be locked into these contracts for three or four years where it be can become very difficult to move? So, so here's a cut. Here's a few names that I, that I'm, I'm just pulled, I just pulled up the list. Oh, there's a go. few names that I would, you know, that are, that could be available. Obviously Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> Chris, Chris Paul, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley Jr., John Collins, Dennis Schroeder, Rashawn Holmes, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm. I, now, that's a guy. Now, Chaz, listen to me on this. That Norman is a guy, Powell. Yes, those are two guys I would take. Powell might be willing to, uh, might not be willing to, to give you a hometown discount because his value is up from the last couple of years. Go ahead. Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm, that's a guy who's going to be looking to get paid. But Dinwiddie is Gary Trent Jr. Okay. Let me just say this one thing about Dinwiddie before you keep running off these names like you're like you're a kid reading off his Christmas list to Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> Dinwiddie, I would <laughs> love to take a flyer on. Plays with a great amount of toughness. Is coming off a couple of tough injuries. You could get him on the cheap. That would be a guy that you could that would be willing to take a one year show me deal, SoCal native, be willing to come here. So if you strike out on all these other options, that could be somebody you could get who could bring a lot of different things to the table. And if he's healthy, man, what an asset he could be because we saw what he did in Brooklyn. You know what I would do? You know the number one name on this list that I want back, Lonzo Ball. Restricted mm. free agent of the New Orleans Pelicans. I would drop Schroeder in a heartbeat and never look back and go give Zoe 12 million a year. Wow. I would love it. I would, I'd love I would love to go get Zoe back. Because guess what? He has a better ironically, he has a better shot than Schroeder. He has better defense than Schroeder. He's a better passer than Schroeder. I would go get Lonzo Ball. He's made a lot of strides. There's no question about that. If you if if you can't you know if you can't pull off the home run deal, which would be the Bradley Beal sweepstakes or Dame, and who and who and who knows who else whoever else might be available. But sure. I'm telling you now, Dame has four years, 160 million dollars left on his deal. He's not going anywhere. That's why he's trying to call shots and call for Jason Kidd and 
Chauncey Billups and whoever the hell else he could get in there over Terry Stotts. Um, Neil O'Shea's not letting him go. Can and I? That Steph Curry is going to sign an, an, another $200 million five-year deal this summer as well. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you something about that Jason Kidd situation, and we'll kind of close things out on this. We'll do another show where we just break down free agents and what the Lakers need. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they need to retool their front court. They need to retool the wing position. We'll talk about the future of a, even a guy like Kyle Kuzma. I mean, we've we've covered a lot tonight but i don't want to like we'll have a full off season we'll do another couple of pods for laker nation talking about once we get no closer doubt. No doubt. to the draft and all of those things jason kidd if he were to go somewhere now he's already withdrew his name from the portland situation Woj also announced that portland is now they they didn't they were never really in strong consideration they're looking more at chauncey billups which is fine i would love to see jay kidd next to Vogel and Handy and Hollins and Miles Simon and Quentin Crawford, the uh, Laker coaching staff that did a great job, you know, keeping them above water for most of the season. But if he were to leave, I'm actually very interested in having Terry Stotts as an offensive minded assistant. Offense was not the problem in Portland. The issue was the defense, the team defense that this team just seemed to neglect. But as an offensive minded assistant, I would love to have Terry Stotts on that Lakers staff in the event Jason Kidd were to get a head coaching job somewhere else. Because last I heard, he could also be in consideration for that Boston job. So I'm hoping Jason Kidd doesn't go anywhere, but he is going to be a sought-after assistant. And in in that case, if he were to coach in Boston or elsewhere, I wouldn't mind seeing Terry Stotts next to Frank Vogel on that coaching staff and kind of getting this offense back in the swing of things. What do you think about that? It's going to be a no for me, dog. Take that bad juju elsewhere and go coach another team. You know, he won a championship with the 2011 Mavericks, right? As their offensive assistant under Carlisle. Not my team personally, but yeah, you asked me what I thought about it. I I was, Hey, that was, that was a good opinion until you decided to ask me about it. Not for me, but I will say this. Jason Kidd might be look for Jason Kidd to stay one more year as an assistant. And here's why. Here's why. Frank Vogel has one year left on his deal. And if he if he gets an extension, look for Jason Kidd to go elsewhere this summer. Okay. But if Vogel doesn't get an extension, look for Jason Kidd to stay on the staff regardless. Why? Because if Vogel's not there, his replacement is already there. And this was a story three years ago or two years ago or whatever it was. Right. When Jason Kidd was initially initially hired, and Jason Kidd has done a great job as an assistant, and, and Frank Vogel has praised him in his exit interview, and so has Rob Palenka, and said that he's going to be a candidate for many head coaching jobs uh, this summer, which he definitely will be. Um, I think he's I think he's either doing one of two things. I think he's either holding out for the Boston job, um, because that is the next best job that would be available mm-hmm. currently, and and or. He's looking to stay in LA for one more year to see if that seat to his left might open up um, in another year or so. So those would be the two reasons why I say Justin Kidd would be the moves that he would make. Um, I don't know where Chauncey Billups. I don't. I don't see Chauncey Billups as a coach. He said many times he did, he wants to GM, but in order to GM, you have to work your way up. So I get why he'd have to start off as a coach. You're not just going to go in right. and then just run a franchise and. You know, but but then again, I didn't see, I never see James Jones in a, in a coach's suit. You know, true. Um, and James but Jones guys, was able to be 
and he's a damn good GM of the Phoenix. Yeah. Zone, and so, some guys go know. through and, and honestly, Chaz, some guys go through different routes. Some guys start off as scouts. Uh, some guys start off as assistant coaches and then video head coaches. Yeah. Video coordinators. And what, that's how Vogel started off. He, him and Brian Shaw were in the Lakers film room together during that 0405 season until, uh, you know, both of their careers, uh, as far as coaches started to started to come about. So, I mean, that's just how it works. There, there are different ways to get to the ultimate position that you want to go into, but I like Terry Stotts. So in the event that kid left and you're looking to fill that spot with somebody, I think Terry Stotts, I don't know if he'll get another head coaching job elsewhere, at least not right away. So this could be an opportunity for you because the, the, the droughts this year, Chas, the scoring droughts were awful. So <laughs> to get maybe a fresh voice in there offensively would be a consideration, but <clears throat> all I that just, I just pretty got that I just pretty got that feel handy don't go nowhere That's oh it. yeah well, hope, hopefully not um that about does it for us uh we'll have another podcast coming up in the not so distant future you know this year was kind of tough to get in week in and week out with the schedule being every other game but Chaz and I did the best we could considering you know we got we got our hands in other pots but uh, we thank you Laker Nation for tuning in Every single time we, we put out a pod and for downloading, we appreciate your support and your dedication and your love and your passion. We always appreciate that. And um, I know this wasn't the result we wanted, but Hey, there's going to be some years that are like that. And this was a funky year to begin with. And it just, things got a heck of a lot worse before they got better. And they just never got going. And this almost kind of seemed like a fitting result for a team that struggled with everything all year long. So, but with that being said, Thank you for tuning in every week. We love you. We appreciate you. And um, we're going to have a lot more content coming out over the next uh, few months. Thank you, Laker Nation. Check out the spaces on Twitter um, that we'll be doing, you know, throughout the playoffs. You guys know where to get at me on Instagram, at Chaz P, on Twitter, at Chaz Pearson. Um, get your merch, like this fresh hat that I got on from Camp Beat LA, Aldel del Toro, as well as going to gfx.com. I'm at Javi. And uh, look for the, you know, Look for the extra content that we'll be pumping out all summer. Um, you know, we, we might take a step away, you know, just like the rest of you guys to try and, you know, kind of recollect ourselves, like, you know, going through this like we players, right? But, um, you know, look for the content and we appreciate all the love and support. And I heard, you know, I got a comment say, saying that we went left once me and Devon stopped doing the, the live post game and we went and we went to spaces. And, mm. you know, I, I felt that. I felt that. So I appreciate you guys, you know, um, you know, with the comments and the love um, that you guys have for us. And, you know, we're just going to continue to pump out the content for you. So wasn't a, the greatest season, but I'm looking for an MVP one out of AD. And, you know, LeBron is still going to be LeBron. And we'll see if Vogel and Polenka can pull a rabbit out of the hat this summer. Be very interesting. Uh, Chaz, thanks for always doing these podcasts with me, man. Uh, I, I know it's not easy when we try to put these out. But uh, you, you've always, you and I, we've always stayed in communication, always try to stay dedicated. And uh, I just want to say how much I appreciate you helping me co-host and, and bring in your insight and your knowledge definitely uh, never goes unnoticed. And I just, uh, I just want to thank you for that. Appreciate you as well, my man. Appreciate the opportunity, um, you know, brought me on, you know, almost a year and a half ago and, you know, we're still going strong. So, you know, you my dog for life and, you know, I appreciate, you know, us sticking, sticking it through, you know, man, we, we took this thing through COVID, took this thing through protocols, took mm. this thing through, you know, everything and, and we still going. So 
look for bigger look for bigger and better things uh, for the Showtime Forum podcast in the next year or so. So could be even sooner. We shall see what the future holds. But thanks again, Laker Nation. Be sure to download and subscribe to all of our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts on all major streaming platforms. On social media platforms at Showtime Forum, except on Twitter at Showtime underscore Forum. You could always follow me at Chris underscore Camelo on Twitter, C Camelo one on Instagram, and Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo on Facebook. We are down, but we are not out. So uh, I know that's kind of tough to say considering they got eliminated, but li- like like the Phoenix, ironically enough, the team that knocked out the Lakers, LA will rise again. The purple and gold will rise again. So keep that in mind, Laker Nation. Thanks again. Number 18 coming next year. (laughs) Take care. Take care, everybody. Be healthy. Be safe.